Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. Time for your Mediated Conversation this Monday morning. If you move around our country, if you walk or drive or ride from Umtlanga to Umlazi or Santon to Alexandra or Constantia to Kailicha, you will see how dramatically different some of the places in our country are from each other or within the same council. You can see immediately, immediately, that some places are poor and some areas are rich, which means that the way that councils and cities meet the needs of people in those areas needs to be very different. But it appears that one of the problems that cities and councils have had is actually trying to work out what the needs of different people in different areas actually are. One of the ways that councils can do this is to look at the incomes of people, and the way they can do that is to look at tax data. In other words, if you look, for example, at how apartheid still defines our urban geography, still defines our cities, you can see that from income, and you can design better ways to manage the different areas of our cities. This is all now part of a major project run by the Human Sciences Research Council. First this morning, you'll hear how all of this works, what information are people looking at? Karen Harrison is in charge of the City Support Programme at the National Treasury. Then, what is the information sort of used for? Dr. Justin Fasahi is a Senior Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. Then, the, then the Head of Data Analytics at SARS, the organisation which actually gets this data, is Isaac Tao. And finally, putting it all into practice from Etiquini Metro, their innovation manager is Justice Matura Rutze. We start then from the City Support Program at the National Treasury with Karen Harrison. Karen, good morning. Morning, Stephen. What information are you actually looking at here? Thanks, Stephen. Um, and just to clarify, I'm not the head of the City Support Program, I lead the economic development component. And the information um, that's been looked for is actually information sought after by the metro municipalities in the country. So a number of years ago, they approached National Treasury with a dilemma that they were lacking key data information that would assist with their integrated development planning and their investment decisions. And it's exactly what you were speaking about earlier. There was no sense from the metros about what was happening spatially with where firms were investing or locating or in terms of where employment was being generated. So they were battling to understand over time what was happening in a township space, what was happening in in an industrial park, what was happening in their central business district or in a a commercial node. And... um, they, they didn't know what, what that meant for their human settlements planning or their public transport planning. So this was a key data gap. And what was um, being told to them by, for example, SATSSA was that an economic census at the moment is not affordable for the country. It's too cost prohibitive. And so the Metro started working with national stakeholders, saying what are the administrative data sets, both at a city level and at a national level, that could uh, plug these holes. And one of the key breakthroughs started in 2015 when National Treasury went into an agreement with the South African Revenue Services and the university, um, the United Nations University, around setting up a secure data center in National Treasury, 
which meant that anonymized tax data could be shared with National Treasury to inform macroeconomic decisions. So the metros identified this as a key opportunity and said, why can't we spatialize this data and see what we can do at a metro level to help us fill the data gaps that we had? So we started this Metro pilot in 2020, testing the value of the data, got incredibly positive uh, feedback from the metros and also from SAS, saying that we were able to use quite a sensitive administrative data source in a very credible and responsible manner. And so this just has snowballed. Selgas come on board saying we need the data for all municipalities in the country. SAS has agreed to that. Um, in 2021, National Treasury entered into a partnership with the HSRC saying, how do we make sure we make this data available to all municipalities in the country on a sustainable basis, in an accessible basis, and really building the capability of the state to use it? So again, the snowballing has continued and we have extended our partnership to really have a strong partnership with StatsSA, linking this work to their setting up of the national statistics system. And it led to the launch um, a week ago of the Spatial Economic Activity Data South Africa program, which my colleagues will also talk uh, more to with a spatial data portal and a city economic outlook publication. Okay. So I'll hand back to you, Steve, no, but right. that's the background. Um, so how detailed is the information? I mean, can you see that on this street corner, the, there are three businesses operating, for example, or on this street corner, um, in this block, in this place, there are three people who are earning quite nicely, but two blocks away, there's no one who's earning much money. So I'm going to ask my colleague Justin to come in because he'll talk around the level of spatializing we get to because it's sensitive data, so we have to ensure anonymity. So the whole um, debate around our spatial units is quite critical. But maybe if you can bring uh, Justin in on that point. Karen Harrison, thank you. From the City Support Program at the National Treasury. Well, Dr. Justin Fasaki is from the HSRC. He's a senior research specialist there. Dr. Fasaki, good morning. Morning, Stephen. Thanks for having us. So how detailed is the information then? Can you see what economic activity is happening where? <clears throat> so, Stephen, it, it all comes down to uh, the, the raw tax data that's being co collected or, or the tax records themselves. Um, and so this is an opportunity because we can improve the, the quality of the information over time. At the moment, we are using postal codes, um, which people uh, fill in in terms of where firms are located and where employees work. And from those postal codes, we can then spatialize to, uh, in this case, we've created uh, hexagons. So it's um, sort of equivalent to a suburb uh, layer of information. Um, but in our next phase of, of work, we're actually looking at geocoding to the address or the street level. <clears throat> but having said that, what we release to the public uh, also has to be safeguarded in terms of, of protecting sensitive information. So whilst the information might go down to a very granular level, um, it won't be released beyond a suburb level uh, in terms of just making sure that um, uh, the inf information is protected. So in other words, you can understand the trend in a particular sector uh, in terms of jobs numbers, or you can under understand the number of people who are working within a certain wage band or 
wage bracket. Um, all, all of this useful planning information, but we wouldn't release a particular person or firm's information. Uh, that would be, be taking it a step uh, too far. So where does the information come from? Does it only come from tax returns? Not everyone fills in a tax return, or does it come from other data as well that SARS may have? Yes, so, so administrative data is, of, of course, limited to the scope of 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 who's in that particular sample frame. Um, the advantage of tax data in the South African case is that when it comes to our economy, it covers about 90 to 95% of all GDP. And when it comes to employment, it covers about 80% of all jobs. So yes, it is missing the informal uh, sector, and that's a key gap that we need to try and plug in, in other creative ways into the future. But remember, the, the informal economy isn't separate from the formal economy either. So uh, you know, the tax data could be seen as a leading indicator in which other sort of informal activities might follow follow after. But yeah, it's at this stage, we're mining administrative tax records, um, and that covers about 80% of jobs in the country. It must be astonishing to look at, say, the difference you get from uh, Joburg and Ditzebortler, or to look at Makanda compared to other parts of the Eastern Cape outside of the two big cities there. I mean, you must start to get a real appreciation, a statistical appreciation, so numbers, not my favorite thing, but a real mm-hmm. understanding of how different the country is. Yes. So and from an economic uh, perspective, Stephen, I think geography is one of the most critical um, ways in which you can disaggregate or or, or in which you can uh, analyze the the economy. And it's something that's been completely lacking up until now, partly because of the lack of data. So if you just think of uh, the the constraints and opportunities in Sampton and compare it to Soweto or Deep Slurt, um, very vastly different things going on. So whilst you know, you might understand what's happening nationally. Nationally, the the character and the quality of of what's happening in each of these different pieces can be vastly different. It's also a, a matter in the way in which the economy concentrates itself in different places. It's not spread out evenly like butter on toast over the over the whole geography of South Africa. In fact, South African metros comprise two-thirds of all for- formal jobs in the country. So um, there's a lot more opportunities going on in certain places, and the sorts of activities that happen there are very different. Um, and so this sort of data can help make smarter planning, because it's not about just Joburg doing well or Cape Town doing well. Um, uh, in fact, we need every metro, every city to do well. And the data shows very different sorts of specializations. Johannesburg, you clearly see the importance of finance and professional services. Chwane, you see the influence of national government. Uh, Nelson Mandela Bay, you see it as a manufacturing node. But that also then goes into other uh, surrounding municipalities in terms of agriculture or mining um, uh, and and the connections between these places. So the bottom line is that you really can't plan for national economic development unless you start from the bottom up in terms of what's happening in each of these local places and spaces. Um, this is probably impossible, but can you see how money moves? Let me give an example. Someone could live in Joburg, but work in Twane for government. So their money is moving, if you see what I mean. Their income's earned in one place and spent largely in another. And there'll be many examples. I mean, people will uh, work in Santon, but live in Alexandra, for example. Is there any way of managing that money at this stage? 
So that's been a key question uh, for South Africa is this sort of mismatch between where people might live and where they might work. And this has all sorts of implications uh, for, you know, creating more green cities and spaces because of the transport costs. But it also imposes a, you know, a very, very real tax on the poor and a sort of legacy of apartheid spatial geography where people have to travel in from the peripheries of the cities far into work. Um, it means that our uh, public transport systems become unsustainable. So, you know, at the root of this question is that, yes, there's a very big mismatch between where people live and where people work in South Africa. Um, the tax data has taken us one step towards answering this question because we now have a much better understanding of where the jobs are. So census data in the past has given us a sense of where, where the population lives, but we've never known what sorts of jobs, what sorts of sectors, what sorts of uh, earnings bands, um, uh, etc. We've never had that other side of the coin. Now, linking them together, uh, which is your sort of question to give a definitive answer, we're, we're not there yet. But it's certainly something that looks like it could be feasible because the tax records uh, do contain information about, you know, the residents of where employees are. So, so that, this is a, a research agenda for the future. Dr. Justin Fasahi, thank you. Senior Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. USAFM Mediated Conversation continues this morning. It's just gone a quarter to nine. We're talking, of course, about the use of tax data to improve the services you receive in councils. Isaac Tower is the head of Data Analytics at SARS, South African Revenue Services. Isaac, good morning. Uh, good morning, Ivan. How do you make sure that the data is, the, the the word that was used, is anonymized? In other words, how do I know that you are not using Stephen Curtis's data in a way that could tell someone a little bit about Stephen Curtis I'd rather you didn't know? Yeah, th- thanks for the question. Um, and we get that a lot. So first, we speak on uh, what we call data governance. We have a comprehensive data governance framework and policies, which is, uh, which are applied throughout the data uh, life cycle. Uh, the framework was informed by different laws that we have, you know, um, like the Poppy Act and uh, the Tax Act, amongst others. Thus, uh, when we share data with any government department or national treasury, uh, we make sure that uh, all these controls um, are in place. So, basically, the data that we share with national treasury is anonymized. So what do we mean by anonymization? I think uh, Justin did touch a bit on it, but uh, a pure definition of anonymization is defined as the process of protecting private or sensitive information by erasing or encrypting identifiers that connect an individual to the stored data. Okay, what does that mean? So basically, there's no way that I can link Isaac Dow, uh, meaning I would not send the name Isaac or uh, uh, Isaac's cell phone number or uh, ID number through on the data. So it will be come as person X and then we see the different variables that uh, Justin has already uh, uh, talked about. And Karen also mentioned that the data in National Treasury is stored in a secured data center. So Treasury is also uh, putting in place uh, proper controls that the data is protected with strict access uh, control. It's really taking information that government has through SARS and using it in different and other ways. Do other tax authorities do this? I mean, there must be all kinds of things that if we apply the use of this data properly, we'll really be able to learn a lot about how our country operates that we don't quite know now. 
Co- correct, correct. I mean, uh, many months ago, we tried to, to start with a project which was known as the Integrated uh, Business Register. It was between SARS, SSA, uh, the DTI, and the Department of Labor back then. And the aim really of the project was to build a base uh, of a database uh, that everyone could then feed from. And this really would then talk to all the activities that the different departments, you know, are mandated to be to, to be performing. Thus, with the seed program, uh, when the guys started with it, it is fully aligned, you know, to what the SARS stands for, uh, which are our key must-win battles, like broadening the tax base, improving voluntary compliance and uh, fiscal citizenship, uh, leveraging our resources, the resources within people, data, technology, to intelligently achieve more with less, maintaining crucial partnerships within government uh, uh, and other stakeholders that could be locally and internationally, and building an organization that can be uh, uh, trusted and admired. So that's the base in terms of what we work from, uh, uh, making data available to researchers become, becomes crucial. Uh, by profession, I'm a data person, and my belief is that researchers and data scientists and analysts should not be running around trying to find data. The data should be pushed to them, it should be packaged in such a way that they can perform uh, their duty. Isaac uh, other government, uh, uh, other revenue agencies doing it, uh, not to show, but maybe Karen can also uh, reflect on that. Isaac Tao, thank you. The head of data analytics at South African Revenue Services. In a moment, the innovation manager at the Etiquini Metro, Justice Matarotze, on how you use tax data to improve services given by councils. Ten minutes to nine. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this morning about quite an interesting subject, using taxpayers' data to improve services for councils. Justice Matarutsa is the Innovation Program Manager at the Metro of Etiquini. Justice, good morning. Good morning to you and good morning to the viewers. What can you use this data for? What, what t- kind of programs are you able to, to implement as a result? We've had, you know, quite a lot of success since we got access to the data because this data for metros is available uh, covering almost a 3.7 square me- square kilometer area at a time we've been able to actually analyze the impact that covid-19 had across the economy because we can look at the different areas and how businesses were affected in terms of businesses opening or closing we're currently making use of the data as well to look at how, you know, the areas impacted by the flooding, especially the Durban South Basin, what the economic performance in that area is, the different types of industries there, and what uh, tools we can make use to, to make a response to that. Um, in terms of township areas, this is where we've actually had quite the biggest opportunity in terms of impact on service delivery because we've been able to differentiate, for example, the economy in an area like Umlazi versus an area like Kwamashu or areas like Chatsworth, where you have places where you've had a, a big lack of data and you've been wanting to intervene and uplift the livelihoods of people. But that data we have on the street now is assisting initiatives in terms of how we are um, uh, conducting business support initiatives and focusing on the hyper-local economies that are there. And because cities are also custodians of their own data, administrative data, meaning people pay rates in a municipality, they apply for building planning, 
They also consume and pay for water and electricity. And all of this different data is tied to a, a specific geographical location. And because the tax data also has that geography in it, we are able to now have a consolidated or integrated view in terms of where people are working, how they are earning, and on top of it, what the land you know, is being used for or what are the land uses that have been licensed in that area, coupled with the consumption of the services. So, for example, with COVID-19, using this data, we were able to see where we had a lot of business closures in the city and the types of businesses that were closed. And then coupling that with our own administrative data, we could also then see trends where consumption of electricity and consumption of water to big industrial areas was also affected. And you can have a more uh, contextualized view of what's actually happening in an area when you look at the data like this. I would... Other- Yes. Sorry to interrupt. Hypothetically, say, for example, and, and you're far away from Soweto, so maybe it's a safe example for me to use for you. Um, there are areas in Soweto which don't pay for electricity, as I'm sure you're aware. You would be able to use this data to go, and any council could do this. They could see um, which areas of their council could afford to pay for services and which can't, which would mean that instead of going for the areas that can't afford to pay for services, whether you're Twane or Ekroleni or whatever, or, or Joburg, you would know that in these areas they, they can afford and therefore we need to start going there first when you try and get people to save for services. I mean, it could, it could be useful for that score too. Exactly. And this is, I think, a big point to say that the use cases of this data are so many and it depends in terms of the actual problem you're trying to solve. If the issue was to create those relationships between where there's a lot of business establishments that are larger and you are interfacing that with where consumption is low, then you can make those insights. But I have to say within metros, there are other factors that I think I have to mention that are assisting us. Because this data is very new, it means there's a big learning journey. And what we have done in Etequini Metro is host a series of learning exchanges with the different service delivery departments because you have to explain the data to them so they can start coming up with ideas of what they want to use it for. Second, the data is quite a useful tool in terms of um, audit, uh, monitoring, and evaluation. So if, pe- if the municipality is saying it's executing projects, what is the impact of those projects, you know, and we can monitor that impact using this data. If you are doing business support initiatives or retention activities, are we seeing a growth in the number of businesses in the areas that you say you've been doing the interventions? In terms of human settlements planning, which is quite a big issue for South Africa, we can also look at you know how that is impacted by this data. In Etequini, the strategic planning sessions for human settlements are already making use of this data as they go forward. And also trading services in terms of the roads, construction teams, and water and electricity bulk infrastructure are using the data actually as a leading indicator so that if they identify that an area is turning into a haven of manufacturing businesses that are locating there, the next thing you will see in that area is perhaps heavy truck usage, which will impact the road infrastructure. So we're making use of the data as a leading indicator to actually intervene on service delivery issues before there's an impact being felt by the community. But one thing I can say is for all the municipalities and metros, the data is a complete game changer. And it's cost effective because 
all the municipalities don't have to pay service providers or do tenders to get this data. The data is free to all of them. So that's a big plus. And then another issue is it's a big tool for collaboration. So imagine what we are doing is partnering with local universities for masters and PhD students where we authorize them, you know, with gatekeepers letters to make use of the, uh, the data with our own data. And then we're getting the research outputs from them, informing our own decision making and policies as well. And then very quickly, I mean, in 10 years time, after we've used this data for 10 years, we would know, for example, that this block in this city, uh, incomes have declined there, but increased there. I mean, that's very useful to know as well. You'll be able to know that this part of Soweto, for example, has got richer and this part's got poorer. You know, definitely. In fact, what we are already identifying, for example, is which industry sectors are paying better than others. So you will be able to see in this particular location, the same location, certain types of industries have median incomes within this range, whereas certain types of industries are actually perhaps skirting the law a bit and paying wages that are slightly below minimum wage. So these are all identifiable things. And because we have income data, it means we can track inequality, which is the biggest thing we want to solve. So we've actually used the data to track trends across the city areas where inequality is increasing and areas where inequality is decreasing and trying to understand what are the driving factors behind that. Justice Matarutse, thank you. The Innovation Manager at the Etiquini Metro. My thanks also to the uh, Head of Data Analytics at SARS, Isaac Tao. Uh, Dr. Justin Fasahi is a Senior Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council and starting us off today from the City Support Program at the National Treasury, Karen Harrison. Very interesting. Kathy is coming through next. We will see you tomorrow from Mdu Stanza Banyana. Uh, uh, myself, look after yourself. Uh, Nanda, of course, uh, pushing the buttons today. We'll see you tomorrow. You with SFM leading the conversation nine o'clock.